Welcome to Always Andersonville, the podcast. I'm Laura. I'm Sarah. And I'm Joelle. Today, we celebrate our official 100th episode with a special look back at the origins of this podcast, including choosing the name, discovering our partnership with Studio C, developing our style of storytelling narrative, and creating plenty of off-air bloopers along the way. Plus, our chamber staff reflects back on memorable episodes and gives a look into their roles at the chamber. Well, welcome, Sarah and Joelle. Thanks, How are you? Laura. How are you both today? <laughs> uh, doing all right. No, doing great. Glad to be here. And Thanks glad, for having glad us. Glad to be back. Why don't we start with you, Sarah? And why don't you tell us, you know, your look on where this podcast came about? Sure. I'd be happy to. Um, yeah. I mean, I think that, Joelle, I remember when I started back at the chamber in 2017 as the executive director, having a conversation with Joelle just about kind of our shared vision for our podcast. And I'll let her speak to that too. Um, But just realizing that a lot of people were kind of getting into them and really enjoying spending time listening to podcasts and the storytelling nature of them, I felt like was such a great fit for our businesses and highlighting them in a new and fresh way. Um, I think that for many years, we have had really strong marketing from the Andersonville Chamber of Commerce, um, but you can only do so much with the written word and with graphics. And to actually hear a story um, from a business owner's mouth and like their perspective and all the kind of nuances of that story um, I just thought was something that would be so neat. Um, I never ever envisioned how incredibly cool it would end up being and just such a beautiful vehicle, which I think is also just speaks to like teamwork <laughs> because, and we'll talk about like how we actually put the podcast together every week, but um, I don't do it. And I didn't figure out how to do it. And um, I'm on here sometimes, but not all the time. And I think just being able to like, see that we all had that idea, but then how we work together as a team, and how our community has rallied around it, and made this thing that I think like none of us could comprehend is such a neat thing that we are the only neighborhood podcast in the city of Chicago. And Joelle, you actually pitched this idea, right? When you first kind of applied for your job, it was part yes. of your <laughs> your Joelle package. My Joelle package. Yeah. So I, uh, when I was interviewing for the position in the final round, we had to pick like one of three proposals um, and come up with a budget and all of this. And I don't even think the podcast was the main pitch. It definitely wasn't. But I was like, but you should be doing a podcast to help with all of the other um, programmatic things that the neighborhood's doing as well, because like Sarah said, it's such a great vehicle uh, to storytell without feeling like you have to condense folks into such a small truncated written statement. Um, And, you know, at that point our current team wasn't in place, but we sat on it and I was really excited when Sarah brought it up when she started. You're like, Hey, that's my idea. I was like, yes, I'm so ready. Let's do it. Um, and I think, uh, well, we'll get into that in a minute, but I remember, um, one of my favorite memories after doing that is David Oaks, who we will hear from in a little bit, um, jumping on the bandwagon in his very David way and purchasing, purchasing us a Yeti mic. 
<laughs> which we'll talk about in a little bit. Which differs from the the mythical beast that yes. roams about. Mm-hmm. Yes, that Yeti Mike, I think, sat in my um, closet for almost a, I feel like almost a year before we were like, let's really make it, make this happen. And as with most things in the chamber office, we're like, hey, we have a really great idea. Laura, you make it happen. <laughs> Yeah. How can you make this happen, Laura? I, I remember, so, yeah, staff meeting. I'm like, we're we're gonna do this. Who's gonna help with this? <laughs> and Laura's like, I'll do it. Well, the podcast officially launched on March 20th of 2018, and today's episode is only 10 days shy of our two year anniversary. How did we come up with the name? I don't even. I mean, we. we I remember when we came up we like with alliteration. Andersonville. Yeah, we really like alliteration. I I think we were all at M Henry for the pre-holiday discussion in 2017 and we were tossing around names for the campaign like the hyper local shop local campaign we wanted to launch and I really do think it was you Laura who said what about always Andersonville Um, so that became the campaign name that we launched um, with the pledge and everything like that but then when it came time a few months later to name the podcast it sort of felt natural to continue the momentum and the hashtag and everything that had started with that and Laura do you remember the formation of the idea and the pieces kind of falling into place what's your memory of it well all I remember really is us sort of talking about it and like talking about it and mentioning it again and like (laughs) pulled the Yeti out of the box and like set it up on the table and looked at it for a while and and I remember emailing my son's drum teacher about recording equipment because like that's the next layer is our editing which we'll get to and we were like okay and we had an intern at the time Alan from the 48th Ward who is now employed with the 48th Ward but he was our intern at the time and we're like Alan can you set this up (laughs) And like, we didn't even have a, a chamber laptop at the time. Like, I don't know how we thought we were going to be able to do this, but he took it on, he took it and took David's laptop, I think it was, and like tried it on. He's like, I think I got out of it working. And I think we recorded like a sentence. And then we were like, this is overwhelming. <laughs> it's overwhelming. <laughs> um, and it was fortuitous. I think maybe that same week or the week after that, um, I was walking around and stop yeah saw a sign on transistor's door that said podcast room available for rent call andy and i'm like oh well it had worked out because we had moved offices so we had moved offices from the the Northside federal bank building to next to the swedish american museum and so transistor was across the street from us and yes joelle discovering that sign and then connecting us with andy and then we just made it happen we just got that first interview scheduled and Sarah did that awesome intro which we'll talk about and where is the Yeti mic today I think we gave it to somebody else I don't I don't have it anymore I'm pretty sure David passed on the good fortune of the Yeti to somebody else (laughs) I'm trying to remember though but was our first episode actually episode one that we recorded or was I think it it was because we made a really conscious yeah I think Sarah made a conscious decision that she wanted to intro it a certain way or do you want to I thought we that? recorded Georgia before we recorded Mike Bransford and made it an official oh, podcast maybe. I think that's what happened yeah yeah we recorded Georgia from Chicago Mindful right. Psychotherapy who has since moved to Florida um 
But yeah, I think we actually did that. And oh, then and we were so nervous. <laughs> we were so nervous. We were so, so, so nervous. But we aired Michael first. Yeah. yeah. And that's when we introed ourselves by saying our full names. We did. We did. Yeah. We did, did you say your full name? Do you I remember saying your full I, name. I don't, but okay. I guess we did. Yeah. And I know we have our former employee Danny on there as well. Hi, Danny, if you're listening. <laughs> Shout out, Danny. Yeah, I mean that first episode. I think um, it's funny. I listened to it this week for the first time in, I mean, definitely over a year, if not since it aired um, two years ago. And just remembering the intro and. And I thought that that was also kind of a fun storytelling moment, different from the ways in which we usually talk about the history of the neighborhood and tying in kind of the history of the neighborhood and our more recent um, work in local economic development and serving the business community. So I was just kind of reminded of that this week and how um, it, important it felt to kind of start with that intro and set the stage for, you know, we say at the end of that, like, whether you've been to Andersonville once or you've lived here for 50 years, which in our work, we run into both of those demographics all of the time. And so it really was just setting the stage of like this podcast is for anyone um, because we do talk a lot about like these stories of our business owners and our entrepreneur entrepreneurs. Um, and we also talk about the story of Andersonville being like unique, but also universal, that there's something really special and distinct about it. But then there's also something really relatable and familiar that I think really inspires people as well. But I think too, it was important that we we got this off the ground and running because we were revamping the guide as well. And it right. was coupled with that mm -hmm. as this more photo forward way to um, you know, tell the, the story of the neighborhood. Um, so people knew the faces and the stories behind the businesses that, that they were supporting. So yeah, and the timing really worked out because this launched in March of 18 and the new guide hit at the end of May. So it's sort of like a complete package of our new brand philosophy and in, in putting these businesses out there in, in this different way. And Sarah, how do you feel our story has changed as a neighborhood in the two years since the podcast launched? Yeah, it's a good question. And I was thinking about it as I was listening to that intro. And um, there was an article that Block Club Chicago wrote yesterday about Bryn Mawr Jewelry coming to Andersonville. And... One of the phrases that was used was just moving to Andersonville, this thriving retail stretch. And I think even just in a short two years, two years ago, um, and I still feel this way every day, and I know it kind of is um, such a huge part of all the work that we do, but I think there's been such a big question about what is going to be the future of these commercial districts and the future of brick and mortar and the future of small businesses and really, you know, at the center and at the core of everything we do from running an event or a marketing campaign or some of the advocacy work we do with our small businesses at the core and center of that is serving these businesses and believing that they really contribute to such a vital community. Um, so thinking about how things have changed in two years, we've been talking recently just about the, the um, rate that we have right now in the neighborhood of available spaces. It's the lowest that we've had. Um, pretty much since the recession in 2008. Uh, in the last three years, we have seen in Andersonville um, on Clark Street alone, 55 new businesses open, um, both ground and upper floors. And um, over 30% of that has been retail. 
And so I think just this work that we started 15 years ago, formulating a strategy around independent businesses and prioritizing them and really creating this special experience here in Andersonville, um, we're really seeing a lot of that fruit now and experiencing it because people come to Andersonville to have an experience um, that they can't find elsewhere that is kind of like how malls were created a long time ago too, that like you can go to many different stores and have many different experiences and grab a bite to eat and sit on a bench and be comfortable. Um, Instead of a Sparrow pizza though, there's Renali's, <laughs> Kalo. And Sarah, what are you referring to specifically when you talk about 15 years ago? Yeah, and we mentioned it in that intro in episode one, um, but really the release of the Andersonville study and the work that we did in the middle aughts, if that's what we call them, like 2004, 2005, um, to look at a dollar spent in a locally owned business goes so much further than a dollar spent in a national chain and how that informed a lot of our strategies. And um, today we can kind of take that information and you know ex interchange national chain for like Amazon or companies online. And so um, I think that all of that, even just, you know, two years forward um, is still so relevant and things are still increasingly changing in the economic landscape and in the, the future of brick and mortar. Um, it's not easy. I think our businesses share those stories on this podcast about moments when it's super rewarding and moments when it's maybe really scary. And I think it's important to hear those stories, though, to know that you know, not only when you're supporting an independent business is your money going further in your community, but you're supporting um, these incredible endeavors that people have invested their lives in. And Laura, you've been the consistent voice of this podcast um, as our primary staff host. Can you reflect back on what it was like for you that first recording with Georgia? And can you talk a little bit about what your research process is for each interview? Sure. So anybody who comes on this podcast, I will Google extensively. Extensively. <laughs> I was going to insert or Bing search. <laughs> Bing search. Whatever our 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 search engine that pops up on our computer randomly. Um <clears throat> yeah, so I will I will Google you. I will read everything that's ever been put out about you. I will watch videos if you have videos or um if you've ever done interviews. I will as you know, so the the more present you are online the better it is for me because then it gives me more content when I have to make it up or um or or dig a little bit for it that makes it a little bit harder but it depends on you know um on the length you know if you know certainly if I know there's a lot of things that you want to talk about you know that that research um is a little bit less but um I know for myself I'm always nervous before doing an interview um it's it's such an honor to be able to interview everyone on this podcast. So it always just makes me a bit a bit sweaty. Um, and I want to make sure that you know everyone is everyone feels very very comfortable in this setting because you know we do we do edit it. Um, you know I want everyone to be happy with the end result. Uh, so the questions are are directed not to make anybody kind of uncomfortable or squirm a bit, but really. Um, really kind of like showcase showcase their business and showcase who they are as people. Um, like Sarah said, with the dollar spent um, in our businesses, you know, you know, you know, who you're supporting, you know, if you're helping to send, you know, their kids to college or, you know, all of the things that you're doing, you can see that directly 
um, you know, through these interviews and, and by visiting these shops. So, and you've become somewhat of a famous community figure. You've been stopped a few times, I believe on the street by community members. Hey, aren't you Laura from the podcast? (laughs) That has happened. And it also happened during it's, and it's so funny. It happened during small business Saturday where someone came up and they were a big podcast fan and like, and they were like, yeah, that's Laura. (laughs) And they were like, I know, like in a very like whisperish like way. Yeah. So that's only happened to me once, but it was during arts week when we were manning in arts week just this past year, the tent, a couple came up and this is actually one of my favorite stories, listener stories of the podcast, but they came up and they're like, are you Joelle from the podcast? I'm like, "Uh, yeah, wow. No one ever connects that, but cool. They were huge fans and we can talk about them um, a little later, but um, I believe they had said that they purchased their first vinyl player after listening to our Rattleback Record episode, which was just really cool to hear. Yeah, that was one of those those kind of first moments where we're like, okay, like we're making an impact somewhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then I also had, I had a, um, a person talking to me at an event that didn't know that I was the person behind the podcast and said that the podcast is what led them to move to Andersonville, which what? was very exciting. <laughs> I so, heard that one. Yeah, that That's was so a, cool. a good moment. So I was like, oh, and so. Yeah, I just want to shout out to Kevin, who I spoke with this week. We had a phone meeting that was really great. And Kevin is a huge fan of the podcast. And we started out our phone conversation. And yeah, he was just so... Um, nice and complimentary of the podcast and kind of excited to talk to somebody who was on the podcast and lives in the neighborhood and so hi Kevin hi Kevin thanks for listening but I think that what has warmed my heart too is hearing these exact same stories from the guests that we've interviewed and the business owners I remember after Larry Vodak from Scout recorded his podcast um, somebody stopped into his shop and said like I live you know uh, down the street and I just listened and you inspired me so much in my career um, and so I think that some of our business owners and guests have received that same feedback and um, I just love to hear that. Joelle do you want to talk about the back end of what it takes hosting the podcast and some of the stats that we have? I think they're really interesting yeah they are really interesting um so what kind of happens is we're in here recording and it's usually a week or two or more sometimes if we're really ahead of schedule um than when we're airing um and then andy does his magic and edits it into a beautiful soundbite for us um mp3 file and sends it over and uh we upload it onto podbean that's where we host um and kind of craft the little blurb and it shoots it over to Apple Podcasts, the um, RSS feed does, and everything syncs up, and it's great. Um, But, I mean, I think one of the most interesting parts of the back end is looking at the stats and how we're doing with downloads each week. It's a little hard to tell exactly how many repeat listeners we have, so um, there isn't specific stats on that, but we can tell you a few fun ones. So, to date, as of this recording, we are at... 20.7 thousand downloads and climbing we have um so many episodes so this is our official 100th episode but we have done a few bonuses i'm like six bonuses and some random like extra midsummer fest episodes so if you're looking in the apple podcasts i think we're up to like 
113 or 115 episodes. Um, but the top five downloaded episodes of all time are Cowboys and Astronauts with Matthew Bucilla, Lost Larson with Bree and Bobby Schaefer, Vincent slash episode one with Michael Bransford, Scout with Larry Vodak, and Simons and Svea with Scott Martin. We were really impressed with Scott Martin because he we anticipated like our first episode with swear words yes. that we'd have to be <laughs> potentially bleeped out. And he did very, very well. He and did. Not a single one. Not a single one. Not a single one. And have we had swear words since then? Yes. Yes. I think very, so. Very, very rarely though. We've never had to label an episode explicit. As explicit which is our goal. <laughs> Someday with the Andersonville after the dark for year series. for year three yeah. <laughs> year three here just we come. you wait <laughs> <laughs> um and top countries of download I mean no surprise U S is far outweighing everybody else um but we've had a surprising number of downloads from the United Kingdom and Germany Sweden hooray that makes us very happy Canada I feel and like if Mexico we, if we knew the Swedish anthem there we could sing it at that time but yeah I have a sneaking suspicion that some of these downloads come from our local residents when they're traveling abroad which brava I think that's awesome that you want to continue to listen to your home neighborhood podcast while you're out exploring the world but uh, we have been downloaded in more than 50 countries so thank you to any of our international listeners if you are indeed international we so appreciate you <laughs> um and upcoming, I mean, we, we've we been lucky to have some interesting partnerships with this podcast. We developed a partnership with WGN's Outside the Loop Radio uh, two years, no, about a little over a year ago. Laura went down and was on their podcasting summit in January of 2019. And then they came up over the holidays this past year and recorded in Simons with some of our business owners as like an Andersonville tour was, of sorts deep dive yeah i mean and they were able to you know interview scott martin um they also interviewed architect tom green and um holly borden from milk handmaid and honey bridal so we hope to continue um local partnerships like that um in the future and have sort of been percolating an idea of andersonville always andersonville the podcast holding a podcast summit here whatever that may mean uh more to come, I suppose. And we've had some few, a few questions about this. And yes, we are looking into getting the podcast up on Spotify. So stay tuned for that as well. Swear words in Spotify. <laughs> Swear words in Spotify. Well, we just got a couple of visitors here. Uh, thank you, Heather and David, for joining us. Um, we thought it would be fun to answer a few questions as a staff. But first, let's uh, have our lightning round that we sometimes do during during an episode where our guests are nervous. I don't know if you two are nervous. Maybe one half well, of Laura, you. Well, Laura, you're always nervous. I'm always nervous. That's what you just shared. I am always nervous. So it's good for everyone. Good for all. Okay, let's see. Heather, Ferris Bueller's Day Off or Pretty in Pink? Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Sarah. I don't think I've seen Pretty in Pink. You've never seen Pretty in Pink? What? <laughs> I've never oh, seen it either. Really? What? <laughs> oh, no. What? Right. Ducky. Yeah. Ducky. We just need a moment of silence for Ducky, but have you seen Empire Records? Of yes. course. Okay. Then yes. someday it'll be I our can movie in the parking lot. somehow move on. All right. Well, we're going to have to change this. So we'll, <laughs> first we'll get on to Spotify and then we're going we're gonna to watch Pretty in Pink. Okay. All right, Sarah, it's your last $5. Do you buy a burger, a lottery ticket, or something else? Well, I mean, I don't, I can't think of a burger that costs $5. <laughs> And I've never bought a lottery well, ticket. Well, certainly in- not in Anderson, though. 
Well, yeah, they're so good in Andersonville. They're worth, worth more. All right. They, we'll, okay. give you, we'll give you 10 bucks. All right. You got $10. Your last I've $10. I've never purchased a lottery ticket never? in my life. This never. This is shameful. Okay. So no so, pretty in pink, no lottery So I'm going to choose tickets. something else. Okay. What it would be, well, I don't have to say what it would be. Yeah, <laughs> you do. Okay, okay. We'll come back. You have to All think right. About I'm going to say an oat milk latte. We, we're from no destination. We're not going to choose our no with a just a sprinkle of cinnamon on top so that's what i would that's what i'd probably choose i don't know about you all but i just feel like five dollars doesn't go far anymore five dollars gets you a slice of pizza a can of coke a chips and a cookie at renali's that's true (laughs) that's that i have that is a good and when andersonville had a subway we could have bought a five dollar foot long (laughs) (laughs) five dollars would also get you two hand pies at middle east bakery truth I think that's the question we need to answer is what will $5 get you in Andersonville yeah. and do a roundup? And a, like a kebab at Taste of Lebanon. Soup. Yeah, the soup at Taste mm-hmm. of Lebanon. Coffee at any of the coffee houses. Cookie it to flour. Okay. David, baby monkey or baby pig? Baby office pig. Okay. So now we have to talk about baby office pig. Well, <laughs> oh, thank God. Okay. Okay. Office pig. Office pig. So we have been wanting to get an office pig. For a really, really long time. Yes, at least three years. At least three years. We so, but we haven't been able to get one. No, so we settled for uh, Why is fostering that? dogs. Why do the pig? Because we want an office pig. Uh, yes. Homer Simpson voice. Right. <laughs> Spider pig. Spider pig. So we've had a couple of office dogs, and we didn't name them office pig, even though I think that their name should have been office pig. Maybe the one in April. Okay. Or just pig. Yes, but it's office pig. It's okay. like very formal. Okay. Yeah. Office pig. Um, but maybe one day we'll be able to have a have an office pig. Let's see. Um, Joelle, what is your favorite ice cream flavor? That's really easy. It's just coffee, <laughs> coffee, ice cream, or pistachio, or both at the same time. But I think George's will let you mix and match. If you do a single, you get like two scoops with a single, right? Usually, not a tiny scoop with a junior. Anyway, you you're can asking do both. me, but I don't eat ice cream. <laughs> Coffee. And so I guess, Laura, that leaves you with Queen or the Beatles? Hmm. Um, I mean, probably Queen. I'll say Queen. I like a couple of Beatles songs. You know. You're really David Bowie at heart. I'm, I mm. Exactly. So, um, so, yeah, that would be my answer. I don't have to go back and, and decide, but it probably depends on the day. And, you know. Neither. David Bowie. Excellent. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's probably what I would of, say. Like, Annie Lennox. <laughs> well, I always have. I have this like soft spot for David Bowie too because Everett did. My son Everett did this Looking Glass Theater camp, and they had to sing Starman. That's amazing. So I just think of him singing Starman as like a little five year old, and it's the cutest thing ever. <clears throat> so then we have a question for everyone. Um, what do you get on your pizza? And we'll start with David. More pizza. Literally, I stack pizza slice on top of pizza slice uh, because it's just quicker to eat. Um, but jardinera sauce is my favorite. Mushrooms. Just mushroom? Just mushroom. Okay. Sarah? Um, I would say black olives. It's my number one ingredient on pizza. I'm a black olive fan myself, too. Like, I remember never experiencing it, and then I had... I'd babysat for this family one time and they ordered their pizzas all the time, which is black olives. And I thought it was the weirdest thing ever until I tried it and black olives are delicious. But really, like, you can't put enough vegetables on the top of my pizza. It's really a vehicle for vegetables. I would say either green pepper, mushroom, or red pepper. 
Well, thank you for indulging us on that icebreaker round. That was fun to do ourselves. I'm super loose now. All right. So now that we're all loose, <laughs> um, we start each podcast episode asking our guests to tell us about their background and what led them to their business or to Andersonville or Chicago. And so we thought that would be a fun question to ask our team as well. Working for a Chamber of Commerce is kind of a unique experience. And people who work at chambers come from all kinds of professional backgrounds. So, David, we'll start with you. What brought you to this role in Andersonville and what were you doing before? So before I started uh, working inside the office at the Andersonville Chamber of Commerce, uh, I was a bartender and a long history in food service. Um, with a degree in environmental science and culinary arts. So I was on a date one day at Uncommon Grounds, and the uh, little table tent had a uh, job position for Eco Andersonville for the farmer's market. So I went in and I applied for uh, an Eco Anderson position and um, got the job as a volunteer for the Andersonville Farmer's Market and did that for the entire first year and then I became market manager. I did that for like eight years with my co-manager, Joan Opendorf. And then when the staff went through a transition and there was a transition time, I was asked to watch the phones and I did a really good job. I just did stuck you, around. Did you watch them or did you have to answer them? The first day I just watched them because <laughs> nobody called. <laughs> but uh, one thing led to another, and I'm a five on the Enneagram, so I wanted to completely understand everything that there had to do with being a chamber employee and business services. And you grew up in Chicago, so when you were growing up in Chicago, like, did you know of a chamber of commerce? No idea. I like I, were, I grew up on the northwest side of Chicago, and we had our like residential community, but. In Sauganash, there wasn't really a main street, but there was a few stores. Like my first job was Tarpey's Pharmacy at the corner of Peterson and Cicero, uh, which is still around there today. And working with a small business, I knew that there was organizations that helped them, but I didn't really see the chamber office because it wasn't there. So I had no idea. I just watched Parks and Rec and try to figure it out. <laughs> And that's why we have a pony. <laughs> Little Sebastian. <laughs> well, Heather, what about you? You're the newest member to our team. And I think you should also, I'm going to force you to answer this, what okay. you studied in school. Because okay. I think it's really interesting. And then how you landed here. Sure. Um, so I went to Iowa State University and I studied art history and fine arts and came out with a a BFA in art history and oil painting, which are so relevant in the workplace. Um, <laughs> um, from there, I you know I worked in I worked for a graphic design firm in Chicago out of college uh, for a little bit, which is what brought me here to the city. Um, I actually grew up in the suburbs in Winfield, which is out by Wheaton, and from there uh, I worked in retail after that for a long time. Sold fine art in a gallery um, before the economy kind of took a dive. And um, after that, worked in, in marketing for Groupon for a while. And then most recently before here, I was um, 
working in fundraising for a school downtown and just uh, really enjoyed working with individual donors and families and organizations, um, doing a lot of like database organization type stuff, um, which is something that I really enjoy and kind of came across, you know, more recently and was surprised by how much I enjoyed it. So um, coming up to this past August when I started at the chamber, um, actually prior to then, I'd been visiting Andersonville for a long time. Uh, my husband and I celebrated New Year's at Hamburger Mary's and um, shortly after that found out that we were pregnant so have a really <laughs> fond memory around that you got pregnant at hamburger mary not at hamburger mary's but may have actually been pregnant at the time and did not realize it <laughs> and we toasted the new year and said wouldn't it be great if we had a little one in the next year not quite knowing yet that we did we just didn't know it yet um yeah andersonville <laughs> <laughs> um yeah and just had so many great uh, memories of then bringing our our daughter to the neighborhood and just really enjoying it like she would enjoy it. We also enjoyed it as adults. So um, that felt really unique and special. And when I saw that there was an opportunity to come here, um, I jumped on it right away and was really excited when eventually it all worked out. So, Well, Joelle, let's jump to you. Well, um, so I've been in Chicago about 10 and a half years now, which feels really weird to say I'm not from Chicago. I did not grow up here. However, my dad is from Chicago and he did grow up here. Um, so we always get a kick out of joking um, that I came back to the Midwest. My mom's from Detroit and they're both out in Colorado now. Um, fun fact that I just like to insert here because it's a fun Inter Andersonville fact my grandmother worked for Northside Federal Bank, and we think the year was 1950. She is not Swedish, but she looks Swedish, so she thinks that's why they liked her and appreciated um, having her as a front teller. She visited uh, when I started this job in 2016, and actually they let her take a picture in the vault, which was super fun. But anyway, um, before this job, um, I've been here four years now, um, and... I was working in uh, marketing for theater. I, I came out to Chicago for that very reason, to do arts marketing and PR for the theater scene. It's obviously a really great city for theater, big regional theater, storefront theater, so many wonderful opportunities here. And worked for Victory Gardens Theater for a good couple years and then um, apprenticed with Steppenwolf, which was great. But then spent a good um, chunk of time, about four and a half years, with the Auditorium Theater before deciding that I needed a little change of pace from the performing arts schedule and had always really loved the Andersonville neighborhood. My roommate and best friend Ashley and I found it really early on. Um, we were told when we moved to Chicago by someone that the only two neighborhoods worth living in were Lakeview and Lincoln Park. And that was not great advice because there's obviously 77 neighborhoods in Chicago and we quickly discovered Andersonville was one of our favorites. So um, have always visited here, have always lived rather close to here. And when the chamber job became open, just thought it'd be a really great opportunity to kind of expand my knowledge of what it's like to um, market a small business. And I think what's really kept me here is just the immense amount of stories and uh, different ways we can 
discover what's right next door. And Laura, you, I think, have lived in Andersonville the longest out of any of us. But how did you come to the chamber and what did you do before working here? Yeah, so I've always been, I've been a visitor to Andersonville, a resident of Andersonville um, for a really long time. Obviously, when we had Alamo Shoes on, you know, we we talked about buying you know, our kids' first shoes at Alamo Shoes. And um, before George's with George's, it was Sweet Peas. I believe, correct? Sweet occasions. Sweet sweet occasions or something like that. It so it had sweet, right? Yeah, it did. Okay. I'm just so, it off the top of my head. Yeah. And so we had you know, we have I we've had my son's birthday party, I think, for the past four years at a combination of Renali's first and then George's ice cream for ice cream. Um so uh so yeah, we're we're pretty happy here where we are at. Um in terms of how I got to the chamber. I was actually, I've done a myriad of things. I don't have a very, my career path is not a straight line at all. Um, But before, before coming here, I was PTA president of my kids school, which is Rogers Park Montessori school. I did that in some capacity. I was the president for three years and then um, was just a part of the the parent organization for, for five years total doing that sort of thing. Um, and so I got to run a bunch of events that way and and meet people. Um, but alongside that, I also worked for Land of Nod um, as a sales associate. And uh, I taught preschool for a while at a preschool down in Lincoln Park. So um, how I ended up here, I don't really know. Um, they, there was a, an opening for an, um, just, a, you know, a, a part-time, short-term, and that's kind of the jobs I like because I'm not a commitment person to <laughs> to people I am so that that's why this worked so to people I commit wholly um but for jobs it's it's hard for me to to say oh you know so that temporary thing you've got four months you're gonna do this and I was like great sign me on so I walked in um you know and and Jason Cox interviewed me at the time and kind of gave me the rundown it was you know three years ago um that I got hired for this job and he was like, you've got to play on Midsummer Fest. And so I was like, great. And they gave me a binder and they said, plan this really gigantic event that, you know, we need to kind of, you know, stay opera- operational as an organization. I was like, cool, no problem. So, um, so yeah, I, I, I got through that and, and it was an intense and fun time. And, um, you know, Joelle was here and David and, and then Sarah came on board um, and we got through that first event together. And that was like team pineapple, such a team effort, kind of kind of going through like it was like going through like a war, you know, <laughs> with with these people that you hardly know. But like, you know, and so like I just remember, you know, not that this is even a part of the question, but, you know, that first that weekend, that first event was just like a very kind of emotional experience and like. I was in Starbucks with David and started crying on the Saturday of Midsummer Fest because like the setup wasn't going as planned and and he was like, Okay, like just gave me that look like I don't really like crying in front of me and I was like just like sobbing. Um, but it was it it really bonded us very, very quickly to kind of um work together. So Sarah, tell us about your background your part one and part two of your Andersonville journey. Well, just I love Laura's Midsummer Fest story because I think that's one of 
that's a fond memory of just our team going into Midsummer Fest weekend, and we had all started working together as a team maybe six weeks before that. Um, and Midsummer Fest is just amazingly fun and so wonderful, and also can be kind of a pressure cooker. Um, and so I think that during that weekend, there were just so many ways in which we um, not only like pulled off the event, but we like served the community side by side really well and came out of that weekend um, really feeling like, um, you know, this is a really cool thing we have here with this team. So that was a, a fond memory of, memory of mine as well. Um, so the question was... Where did I come from? Um, yeah, so I I have worked in Andersonville uh, twice and have been uh, working in kind of different capacities in these neighborhoods since 2008. Um, my I studied in college urban studies and urban planning and uh, just feel really passionate about cities, how they work, how they service people, how they build um, quality of life for people. And I believe that that all starts on a neighborhood level and that it should start on a neighborhood level. And so when I graduated school, I just knew that I wanted to work in neighborhoods in some capacity. Um, and I've just been so fortunate to have been able to do that since um, kind of being young in my career. And so a lot of that started in Andersonville in 2008. I worked in the neighborhood for about um, four years, three and a half years. And then I um, jumped over to the 48th Ward office and worked with Alderman Harry Osterman during his first term. And um, I had never really worked in government and wasn't really set, like didn't set out to work in government. And so I felt like um, I didn't really know what I was getting myself into, but I think through that experience just saw um, public service uh, working, um, you know, having the ability and the potential to kind of work at its best. And, um, just really enjoyed that experience. And after that, I became the executive director in Uptown <laughs> uh, and then just took a short jaunt back to my hometown of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, um, because my family and I had been thinking, hmm, maybe we should try out that whole small city thing and watching some of the small kind of Rust Belt, Rust Belt cities have a renaissance. And that was something that we had kicked around for a while. Do we want to move back to Pittsburgh? And so we tried it and um, my family's there and I love Pittsburgh. I could be like the head of the tourism bureau because I talk about it so fondly and I love it so much. Um, but we got there and kind of realized that Chicago was actually our home <laughs> and wanted to come back pretty quickly. So um, we returned to Chicago after 10 months and um, I stepped into the role of executive director in 2017. So it's been um, just a really fun ride. I think it's incredible that there are days where um, I feel like it's a brand new day and I'm learning so much and I'm meeting the most incredible new people. And then I have days where I'm like, oh, we kind of had this conversation back in 2008. <laughs> and like we're, we're still having the conversation in the neighborhood of like wanting to find more green space or wanting to have more public space or just like trying to figure out parking. And, you know, I think there are moments like that where um, there is such a richness to working in a community and um, caring about a community and kind of serving a community for so long that um, I really have been able to experience some of that richness. And that's been really exciting. I also joke because I've had over the years um, a lot of interns who are like urban planning majors and students and people are like what does an urban planner do and I'm like events 
that's all you do <laughs> you just do events and that's not true because like actual like real urban planners do like really cool like street grids and designs and elevations and you know play architect and all that cool stuff but um in our world like we do events a lot and so it's funny because I feel like I am a horrible marketing person I'm like a horrible events person um just like things that I think I like don't have any skills out I feel like I'm kind of steeped in some of that work a lot too so um yeah I think that's been kind of just a funny surprise over the years um so now just I know Sarah you talked a little bit about what your job encompasses now but we're going to set a timer and we're going to go around and each person has 30 seconds to explain their job um and we will time you and stop you so I think let's mix it up and start with Laura. Go. Okay. So people ask me what I do. Mostly what I do is I wanted this in my bio and it got deleted was that I make dreams come true, which is true, (laughs) but I also carry and schlep things. Primarily my job (laughs) is making dreams come true and caring and shopping things. That's it. Um, But, but really like, uh, yeah, I plan all the events. That's what I do. I have seven seconds left, but yeah. So if you have dreams and you need things scary, call me. Okay. How about Heather? Go. I am the marketing and communications coordinator uh, or membership and communications coordinator. Oh my goodness. So please renew your membership. Um, And my name is Heather Sanger. And so when I email you about membership, um, just say hi, reply back to me and we can work it out together. (laughs) I also support lots of uh, social media. I feel like I, um, ache over the right words and the right hashtags and things like that. And I'm learning a lot about that. Um, and I, yep, that's it. Time okay. <laughs> to David Oaks. So I'm the business services manager, which basically means nothing. Uh, I do business. Uh, I do it well. Resident business. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what I do is I help um, be a business resource for any of our businesses, members and non-members, uh, people who are looking to come into the neighborhood. Um, Anything that it has to do with owning a business uh, and there's a question, I'm there to help. I also help find potential uh, spaces and vacancies. We work on our SSA to make sure that it's beautiful. David is the concierge of the neighborhood. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, and Joelle. Okay, so I'm the director of marketing and basically I like to say that just means I'm a megaphone for the neighborhood. So I work on social media, the website, Primarily, I spend a lot of months on the Neighborhood Guide. It is a big publication, and there are a lot of moving parts, and we so appreciate our 400-plus members who are in that guide, and I would not be able to organize all that without your support. Thank you, and to our designers, and I don't know. I Design. Oh, in-house design. Yep, that's it. <laughs> so before we get to Sarah, it's 30 minutes. Uh, 30, 30. <laughs> I was Joelle for a little bit while Joelle was out on maternity leave recently. And yes, Joelle's job is very, very hard. And if you love her, you'll send her lots of Visine because um, staring at the computer screen and your eyes water and you sit and so she needs um restroom breaks and some some walks so we need to institute that into our work plan um yes and one day on joelle's maternity leave i walked over to laura's computer and she had literally 32 tabs open i'm like you've become joelle what happened i know and i was like i have i've become joelle (laughs) 
and they can't make it stop. So um, it was a very, it was a, uh, it was an amazing learning experience kind of being Joelle for, for those couple of months that she was gone. So we very much appreciate you. <laughs> All right. Now, Sarah. I oversee the operations of um, our three entities, the Chamber, which is a 501c6 organization, the Andersonville Sustainable Community Alliance, which is a C3 and is our farmer's market, and special service area number 22, which is our business improvement district that does all of the beautification and stewardship of the district. Um, I work a lot with community leaders and elected officials, and I really... um, kind of oversee the overall vision of our team, our community, making sure that we are, ah, oh, this is hard. <laughs> that we'll, we we'll are. We'll extend her time. She's the no, boss. It's done. It's done. It's okay. Um, so yeah, you can read more about us at andersonville.org slash who we are. All right. And now we're going to go a- around and share our most memorable episode and why. I'm going to start with David. So my most favorite episode is with Michael Bransford of Vincent Restaurant. Um, It was the first episode that we did um, for this vision. And the reason why I chose it is because uh, he goes into this, um, this idea of a sense of community. And one of the things that I love about Andersonville is that uh, the community supports, fiercely supports the, the commercial district. And you find that energy throughout um, the year in Andersonville. And it really kind of brings it home to me because part of my job is to help the businesses um, with all the resources. But part of the resources that I can provide is for uh, continuing the flow of community support with the business support um, and then my support. So really, it's almost like an ecosystem of just really great people helping each other. And that's exactly how I think of Andersonville and community. And uh, it's completely unexpected. Um, When I got here, I thought having a restaurant was all about getting on the lists. And it is in New York City. You know, you want to make sure that you are on the Eater 38, which we were for a while. And you want to make sure that you, you know, Phil Vitell thinks you're great and you know you want all these accolades that um, and then people will come to you. I didn't expect to actually curate relationships with uh, people in the neighborhood. So like most of our business is people that come back once or twice a week, you know, um, to eat there. So it was all about developing those relationships. Even though we made the lists, um, it didn't mean people were going to come or not. You know, you had to really adapt to um, the community and uh, the longer we did that and the more entrenched I felt in that community the more I wanted to be a part of it and give back and you know um, yeah it's completely unexpected I used to think the word community was kind of cheesy now I think it's what makes the world go round and what was interesting about Michael is he came from New York so uh, to, to do that and to settle in Andersonville and to feel that community and want to stay um, just because it is a slower pace, obviously, that, that, that says a lot. Yes, to come from a place where you rarely say hi to someone on the street and you give them a dirty look if they talk to you, to Andersonville where you know everyone, like your customers are your neighbors, your friends, um, even tourists who come in, they feel that part. So, All right, Heather, are you ready? Yes. Okay. Um, my favorite and most memorable podcast episode is actually the first podcast episode I ever 
got to be a part of here at the chamber. It's um, episode number 76 with Ray Gunn. Uh, and it was special because I had never gotten to do that before. So it was a fun new thing. And it also, um, I felt like it made me feel like I I landed in the right place because I ended up um, from from being in Iowa for college, I ended up realizing that Claire Anderson, who is manager at Raygun, and I have mutual friends from college. Um, and so it was just one of those universal moments of just feeling good and feeling like I had landed in the right place. Um, and it was funny. It's just and, a, and you'll have to listen to that episode to understand the Iowa reference the Iowa, and, yes. and what Raygun's connection That's is right. to Iowa, if you don't know that. Yep. So I don't think anybody who starts at the University of Pennsylvania is like, if I play my cards right, one day I'm going to be selling T-shirts on the street. Um, <laughs> certainly, I didn't think that. My parents definitely did not think that. But there I was my senior year. I had kind of thought I would continue studying in Scotland, which was kind of an excuse to live with my then-girlfriend, now wife. And... As I guess like a born entrepreneur, sometimes you are long on confidence, short on practical planning. And so it never occurred to me that I would get rejected for this extremely competitive fellowship. But there I was like February of my senior year with this rejection letter. And I had, since you didn't need to take your GREs, if you got this fellowship, you were just automatically admitted to whatever program you wanted. So I hadn't taken like my GREs. I hadn't taken LSATs. I had applied for zero jobs. And so it was spring of my senior year, and I'm like, well, I've got the next 55 years of my life free now. I guess 52 years if I take up smoking, <laughs> 11 and a half years if I take up riding a motorcycle without a helmet. But either way, there was going to be some amount of time that I was going to have to fill with, like, making money. And a friend suggested that we start selling T-shirts on campus, and it was kind of a testament to how little I had going on. But it's like, yeah, you know what? I'm just going to do that. And once I started selling T-shirts, something as crazy as it sounds clicked. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to keep doing this. And so I decided when I graduated, I was going to travel around out east and keep selling T-shirts like on the street and on college campuses. The guy who actually had the idea for us to start selling T-shirts, I was like, do you want to keep doing this with me? Let's like start a company. And he's like, oh, God, no, I've got a job at Citibank. So he like left and got like a real career. And I just kept traveling around out east for six months and then... <clears throat> in New York, bumped into a friend of mine from Des Moines and kind of explained what I was doing. And she was like, you know what you should do? You should move back to Des Moines and open a shop on the east side. My dad said that they're renovating all these buildings. And you get some advice at like the right place at the right time. Because I was kind of like, yeah, you know what? I am going to do exactly that. So I left Philly, moved back home, uh, moved into my old room. Luckily, my mom had not taken down my Rage Against the Machine posters. So it was kind of a smooth transition into my old bunk bed and set up a screen printing shop in their basement. Um, they were kind of like, what? what's going on? I'm like, I'm an entrepreneur, and um, opened the store that fall. And so I would have met Claire when her like high school had an art show in the original store, I think that fall of 2005 or 2006. Yeah, it was like And for the first two-ish years, it was like just me. I was kind of the only employee of the store. Okay, and how about Joelle? So I picked episode 47 with Steep Theater. Um, every now and again with the podcast, we get to go on location, which is really, really fun. And I think this was our largest on location recording with about eight people in the room. And we just passed this mic around. And because I have the theater roots, I think that's why I picked it too. But um, I just remember everybody talking about their roles and 
what they did for the theater. But then Kate, who's their executive director right now, just had a lovely sentiment about why theater is so important to um, just our mental health, actually. And I think the clip you'll hear will kind of express that. Um, and it was also really fortuitous timing. We were planning to feature our theaters more last year during the year of Chicago theater. I think one of the things that theater does is um, help us look at the problems that we are grappling with through somebody else's experiences. When a playwright we worked with described theater as practice for life and you get to see when you make decisions and they go horribly wrong to not make those decisions um, and it really when we're when we're struggling with something whether it's sort of emotional or interpersonal or theo theological or theoretical watching other people battle these demons helps us understand and helps us work through things without it being about us. And it's so easy for us to get defensive with each other and to put up walls. And when we let go of that and let other people take a little piece of our battle for us, it just opens us up to those conversations. And sometimes we get to talk about things. It's the old, um, I have a friend who, but it's never actually your friend. Um, when we, it lets us talk about things on stage which can be talking about the problems that we're facing, but we could talk about a character and say, oh, well, you know, when this couple is having this problem, let's, we could talk about that after the show and dig into how this happens and how it might get resolved. And through doing that, let's us process things that we're dealing with ourselves. Um, and I think particularly in theater of this size, you're watching these plays from four feet away. Um, you can see the sweat and the tears and it's, it's so powerful and so personal and intimate and human. It really sort of breaks down the defenses that we might feel when dealing with our own issues and lets us sort of experience the world through someone else's eyes. I believe that throws it back to you, Sarah. What's your favorite episode? It's hard to choose just one. Um, I think there are there are a lot of episodes that I think, you know, I left the room thinking, wow, that was really special. Um, I definitely felt that way about like Larry Vodak's episode from Scout and Michael Roper from Hopleaf, hearing all of his stories. I remember feeling that after Celia Busey from Prevent Chronic Pain and um, also just last week's episode with Emanuel Congregation felt like there was like some special sacred space that we created with that conversation. So, but I um, I went back to our episode with Rattleback Records and the story that Joelle told earlier, um, just because we ended up talking with Paul, the owner, about... Um, the experience of vinyl and the experience of using a record player. And I bought my first record player from Rattleback on Small Business Saturday um, and just was able to introduce that to my kids. And it was kind of a special moment. And then hearing this other story from listeners who heard that episode and then bought their first record player and just thought that that was a really neat um, story of kind of the podcast impact. And I think that we have you know a generation of of youngsters now who ha are have grown up in the digital age and so i think that um the the tangibility of a physical piece of um vinyl that can then kind of transmit music over speakers um is is fascinating to a lot of people and i think that the sound you get 
with records. I mean, of course I'm biased, but I think the sound you get with records is superior than the compressed sound that you would get even from, you know, a CD, but certainly from streaming services. Um, and so I think that, uh, the other thing is I think that vinyl really of all of the music formats that we've seen come and go over the years, vinyl is really the one that hasn't fully ever gone away. Right. Like, I mean, it almost, as you said, it almost died. Like, you know, when CDs came out, people were dumping their record collections and buying CDs, but, um, they never fully went away. You know, eight track tapes, those went away. Reel to reel tapes, those went away. Cassette tapes for the most part gone, but records were always sort of there on the fringes. And now it's, it's nice to see that it's making a comeback and it's nice to see that it's you know sort of a younger generation of people that are discovering this source of music i bought my first ever record player from you on small business saturday and um listening that first night i yeah i was blown away by the sound what are your that kids was... what did your kids think of it i'm just curious because you have two, you have young yeah, children yeah um i mean they just love putting the record on and taking it off <laughs> and yeah. doing that repeatedly yeah but also like love listening to it. But I think they love the act of putting it on, lifting the needle. There's something really cool yeah. about that, about the, the physical interaction that you have and to have. And the crackle. And the crackle. And just like, yeah, there's a, there's a physical process of like, you know, it takes some work. You don't just press a button on a device and start listening. You have to actually like, you know, get up and drop a needle onto a record and then get up and turn it over. So I think that there's something about that interaction that's nice as well. Mm-hmm. All right, Laura, you've been in every episode almost which one do you want to call out there's been a few that I've missed um yeah I mean you know uh, again to reiterate to reiterate what Sarah said um they've all been very special and I've taken um a few things from each of them um but there have been a a few that I actually have had to do on my own so I'm going to reference one that I had to do on my own and that was with um Terry Opalik and Michael Frontier um there, the clip that I'll that I'm referencing is Michael is kind of talking about you know um, he he does a lot of you know like kind of like life coaching work and healing work and um, the, there were people coming to him with you know trying to work on their business plan and like like entrepreneurs coming up and trying to work on their business plan and they're getting bogged down with the actual plan um, and he talks about a lot about like listening to your gut and your own intuition and everything like that and so. Um, I can relate to that in terms of how I do my work at the chamber when, um, you know, when certain things come up and how I can get things done is I don't usually spend a lot of time planning them out um, before I say yes to them. So um, if it, if an idea feels good to me and I can see or feel that I'm going to be able to get it done or accomplish it in some way, um, I kind of go go off instinct and we get it done and I save the planning for Joelle. So <laughs> Joelle can, can write the how to, how to do it and I'll do it. So, um, so, but yeah, that, that spoke to me a lot. So I had mentioned like Bez training. That was one of my first clients and, um, I helped George, um, Bezerra. He was a trainer at uh, cheetah gym here in Andersonville and uh, he had always dreamed of opening up his own gym. And we started working together, I believe it was in June of 20, this is 19, I think June of 2016. And uh, June of 2017, he opened up his own gym. And today, he now has um, four or five trainers working with him with plans of expansion. And um, But I, I'm, I get to help people. I get to walk with them and assist them. And, uh, you know, another way I explain it is, you know, like maybe when you were 18 or 19 and you're going to college and your parents told you that, you know, you're going to go to school, become an accountant, you're going to go to school, be a doctor, whatever 
and now the person's 40 and, but their dream had always been to go dance or to go paint. And what Terry and I are teaching is it doesn't have to be all or nothing. You don't have to quit being a CPA or the CPA can be your art. You know, your life is your art, but it's giving people permission to pursue their passions. But, you know, perhaps you still have a day job, but you, there's a way to find balance in the, in both of those. So that's a lot of what my work is. And I, it's finding balance. We've gone through and talked about our favorite podcast moments. And now we're throwing it back to our listeners. We want to hear from you. What stories have inspired you over the last two years? What episodes have been your favorite? What new businesses have you discovered? Where are you when you listen? Nothing's off the table. Let us know. <laughs> we're looking for listener testimonials. So please email them to us directly at info at andersonville.org. And just for fun, in the words of Leslie Nope, there's nothing we can't do if we work hard, never sleep, and shirk all other responsibilities in our lives. And that's how we sometimes feel at the chamber. <laughs> Amen. And Sarah, you had a favorite Parks and Rec quote, too. Yes. So this is, I think, representative of our team and my hope for everyone who is listening that you will be able to find this in all of your professional and personal endeavors. We do it because we get the chance to work hard at work worth doing. Now, go find your team and get to work. I mean, I feel like we should close with the music. A, a sentiment, a sentiment moment where we just like a little Sebastian moment. I'll appreciate it. Huddle around and and tell each other how much we love each that other. That was the moment, though. It... No, I know, but I mean, I'm just saying, like, <laughs> I love you, man. Team pineapple. <laughs> Well, thank you for indulging us and listening to Always Andersonville, the podcast, and our very special 100th episode. Show notes from this episode are available at andersonville.org. Always Andersonville, the podcast, is produced by the Andersonville Chamber of Commerce. Find episodes streaming weekly on iTunes and Podbean with show notes available at andersonville.org. 